today, I'm, I'm, my prayer is that it won't be my words. You know, I don't really have a whole lot to say. I don't think I'm inspiring. I don't think that I'm a good speaker or anything like that. I think I'm okay, but, but, I, but I know this. I know that what really, really inspires and changes and motivates is not so much me, uh, but it's the Word of God. Uh, you know, when I first got, um, uh, became a Christian, uh, I would go to church. It didn't, and I, I remember that, I, like, it, I, I, it didn't matter who was speaking. Uh, I, I'd go on Wednesday nights. I'd go on, on, on Saturday morning, Saturday night. Uh, and, and I remember one time I was thinking, wow, I wonder who that guy is. Oh, it doesn't even matter because I just want to hear the Word of God. Like, I, like, who's your favorite preacher? I don't know whoever is speaking on the Word of God. Uh, because I just, I just so much was like, you have to understand when you live 27, 28 years and you've never read the Word of God, you never, I mean, you heard it from a distance and you watched the Easter program and, you know, Charlie Brown, Christmas, Jesus Christ, you know, Charlie, and, uh, and then all of a sudden the Word of God becomes alive to you. Man, I just wanted to hear the Word. I just like, it's like, I, I, I love the Word of God so much, I didn't even come to the worship set. I didn't because I, I didn't get the worship thing. I didn't get the whole raising of the hands and, you know, people just kind of swaying and wooing in the spirit. And I was like, whatever. I just want to hear the word. Right. So I'd sneak in the back. Lay back. Oh, here we go. Oh, OK, what is all this? OK, no, I just want to hear the word. I walked out on concerts, you know, because I showed up at church. Yeah, 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 yeah. Second chapter of Acts. Who is this? Man, I'm out of here. You know, it's like, oh, my, I can't believe I did that because I just wanted to hear the word. So that's what our focus is today. It's not about me. It's not about a man. It's not about a woman. It's not about a, a, a pastor. It's not about it. It's about Jesus Christ and his words. So today we're going to receive from him. Is that, does that sound like fair? You came here. I hope you didn't come to receive from me because I will disappoint you. I'm going to tell you that right now. But if you came to hear a word from the Lord as God allows me to speak forth his word, we just might get somewhere. Can you say amen to that? Jesus, we thank you for this day and we thank you for your promises. Thank you for the amazing weather. We wish it was this way every day, but there'd be 10 million people in our valley. And so we thank you for what you are going to do. Give us ears to hear. And Lord, we uh, open our hearts and our minds to receive. We don't have an expectation of what we're supposed to hear or what you're supposed to do, Lord. We're gathered together uh, uh, as servants. Uh, We say, Lord, hear my, send me. And we say, hear we, Lord, speak to our hearts. Lord, we, want to do, we do want to pray for our men's ministry and those who have gone to camp. The Lord, you would set your angels about them on their way home and that they would get here safely. And so uh, we look forward to the report of what you, what, you have, what you have done and what you are doing. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Give someone a high five and have a seat if you would, please. Um, can you name the muscle in your body that receives more exercise and less control than any other? More exercise and less control than any other muscle. Yes, it is the tongue. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 says this. And uh, I, I, want to, I, want to, I want to be serious about the word today. Uh, that doesn't mean we can't joke and laugh and have a good time, but this is serious. It, 
It's serious every Sunday, but it's really serious today. Okay, here's what, here's what it says. Here's what the proverb says. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That is our thesis for this morning. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You already know that words matter. You can recite the words to your favorite song. You can remember parts of certain speeches. Every time I hear the phrase, I have a dream, I can't help but think about Martin Luther's speech. Which, by the way, that wasn't in his notes, you know. You know, it was the gospel singer Mahalia Jackson who was sitting behind him going, Martin, tell him about the dream. Tell him about the dream. And he took his notes and went, I have a dream. (laughs) You know already that words are powerful. Today, I want to make sure that you understand, that we understand the weight of what the Bible says when it says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Your marriage, your children, and everyone else that you uh, uh, encounter will experience death or life in the sense, not literal, but in the sense spiritually or in the sense of uh, uh, how you interact with them uh, based on your tongue. So the determining factor will be how do we learn to use this instrument? I want to say this to you. Nothing could be more important tomorrow than the seemingly insignificant words that are coming out of your mouth today. Let me say that again. Nothing can be more significant or more important to your tomorrow than the seemingly insignificant words that are coming out of your mouth today. So let's begin with God and His words. It says in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, as the Lord is about to give us the revelation of His Word. I mean, there was a time when the Word of God wasn't written down, and then there was a time where it was written down, and uh, the words of Moses, uh, uh, I I think every word uh, of God is important. Uh, It's not all inspiring, but it's all inspired by Him. I mean, you get through some of the genealogies, and you're like, oh, no, endless genealogies. There's a reason for that. Uh, When you know the why, then the words become important. But anyway... God says, in the beginning, God, Amplified Bible says, Elohim created by forming from nothing the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void or a waste of emptiness and darkness was upon the face of the deep. That is a primeval ocean that covered uh, the unformed earth. The Spirit of God was moving, it was hovering, it was brooding over the face of the waters. Verse 3 And God said, what does it say? Let's read it together. Let there be light. And there was light. So God said, let there be 
then there was light. His words set into motion. I mean, I mean, all of the, 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 the parts were there. Uh, it was chaos. Uh, it, was, it was the Spirit of the Lord brooding over the face of the deep, over the waters. Nothing had been formed yet. And, and, and God, God speaks. And, and the first time that, that, that He speaks, his, his words set into motion time and energy and matter. Nelson Searcy, uh, Pastor Nelson Searcy says this, from the beginning of time, words, God's words have been the tools that carry the power to create reality. God willed the world into existence by his words, and his words started the process. I could say it this way, I was thinking, how the, the, the key, everything was there, but the key that started it was the Word of God, the, the, the voice of God. God willed the world, and His Word started the process. God's will and His Word work in tandem. God said, let there be, and there was. And there's no, no time gap between the two. God says it and it is. I mean, it's, it's that simple. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Psalm 138 verse 2 says this, You have magnified your word above all your name. You have magnified your word above your name. And there are many different interpretations of exactly what that means. Here's what I think. In, 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 in Bible culture, it was common for a ruler to use his authority to break the rules that he had established by his own word. In other words, he would break his promises. God is different than earthly sinful rulers. He exalts his word above his authority and lives by his own rules. So God, God, God uh, his, his authority, we already understand God's able to do all things anytime, any way, anyhow He wants to without asking anybody. He has ultimate authority. He is all-powerful. And yet, if God speaks it, his, his Word is greater than His authority because He will not change. And He won't say, well, that's what I said uh, then, but now I'm saying this. Well, Lord, you just changed. You can't do that. No, God doesn't, didn't you? How many of you guys enjoy the fact that you worship a God who doesn't change? He doesn't have to be updated. We don't need a new version, you know, version 3.0, because, oh, that was the old version. Man, you got to get the new Bible. That's the old Bible. You know, we changed a few things, rearranged some things. There's some things that weren't okay here, but now they're okay. Because, you know, society changes and people change. And, and you know, whatever is true is true for you. And we don't want to be offensive. And we don't want to say, well, this is not, you know, we used to not, but now it's okay. No, God's word doesn't change. So we have this amazing God-like gift. <laughs> Our words have power. You may not think that. You may not think you're a person of influence. Well, man, I, I'm just, you know, I'm not, not very influential. I disagree. Can you speak? You have power. Your words have authority. Our words have the power to determine our destiny. Did you know that? Matthew chapter 12 puts it this way. 
But I say to you, Jesus speaking, that every idle word men may speak, they will give, uh, for every idle word that men may speak, they will give an account on the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Your words have the power to justify you before God. Oh, it's not that your speech justifies you, but the, 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 the power, the words that you speak determine and, and, and illustrate where your heart is. And we'll get to that in a bit as well. Can you imagine that? Could you imagine standing before the high court of heaven, standing before the King of kings and the Lord of lords who spoke all things to ex- into existence, who knows all things, who is all-powerful, who is almighty, who knows not just what you said but when you said it and why you said it, who knew about you a bajillion years ago and will always know about you? Could you imagine standing before that God and having to give an account for not just your actions but for your words? Every idle word. Your words have the power to stir up wrath. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 1 says, A gentle response turns away anger, but harsh words stir up wrath. Our words have the power to wound. Proverbs 26, 22 says, The words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels, and they go down into the innermost parts of the body, and they wound. Our words have the power to sustain. Isaiah 50 verse 4 says, The Lord has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. Words are powerful. Oh, you're dumb. Oh, you're ugly. You can't do anything right. Why can't you be like your sister? You'll never be able to do it. You don't have what it takes. You're so lazy. What kind of Christian are you? Give up. God's not with you. You will never change. And you'll never break free from who we all know you to be. Maybe you've heard words like that. Or maybe you've said words like that. Patricia Evans says this, For those who have suffered from verbal abuse, uh, they know that words do hurt and can be as damaging as physical blows are to the body. The scars from verbal assaults can last for years. They are psychological scars that leave people unsure of themselves, unable to recognize their true value, their talents, and sometimes unable to adapt to life's many challenges. The words we speak to ourselves have the power to shape our future, to give us value, to determine the course of our life. Oh, the power of words. The ability to set somebody soaring to the heights. Or our words have the power to drag somebody down into the depths. How lax, how nonchalant. How, you know, when you have a gift that is so precious and you just use it so much, sometimes you never think about the effects of it because you're just used to speaking in a certain tone or in a certain way. And you never even think about these 
idle words, Jesus said, that one day, apart from him, will be judged by every one of them. Every one. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Feel that. Let that weigh you down today. Oh, you came to hear a good word. We have a good word later. But for now, feel the heaviness of this. Feel the significance of it. Let it burden you today. Let it cause you to examine your heart before God. And ask some questions that are important. But let's not get it mistaken. The tongue is amoral. Like fire. Fire in my fireplace is a good thing. Fire on my curtains, my mini blinds, is a bad thing. Fire doesn't care. All fire knows is burn. It doesn't matter if it's in a fireplace or if it's up in Mount Charleston. It's amoral. So is my tongue. My tongue isn't the problem. This is the mechanism, but it's not the problem. So what we want to do is unmask the problem. Let's reveal, no surprise, the real issue. This two-ounce slab of muscle, mucous membrane, and nerves that enables us to taste and chew and swallow food and articulate words, Chuck Swindoll says, is not the problem. (laughs) So you're asking, what is Oh, we already know. Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 16. When he called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth defiles a man. Do you not yet understand, verse 17, that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? Nice way to say that, isn't it? 2,000 years ago, it's eliminated. But, verse 18, those uh, things which proceed out of the mouth come from the where? The heart. Ooh. Back to the heart of the matter. They come from the heart. And they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, uh, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. Where does it come from? It comes from the heart. It's a matter of the heart, not a matter of the tongue. That's the issue. And so James, we're in uh, the book of James chapter 3. If you got a Bible, you can turn there. James chapter 3. He has already brought up the issue. In chapter 1, verse 16, he gives an appetizer. And in in this first part of chapter 3, we're going to get the full course meal. He says, if anyone thinks himself to be religious... That is, scrupulously observant of, all, uh, uh, of, of the rituals of his faith and does not control his tongue. He deludes his own heart. This person's religious is, religion is worthless. That is, it's futile and it's barren. It's a, it means nothing. And so, there you go. He kind of brought that up. But then, 
I want to tell you as we read, we'll read through the first seven verses of chapter 3. Whenever we read the word tongue, uh, word, or mouth, you can replace it with heart. You can do that on your own this week. Just take what James says and replace the word tongue with heart because the heart is the issue. Okay, this is just the mechanism. All right, so James chapter 3, verse 1, he says this, Not many of you should become teachers serving in an official teaching capacity, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who are teachers will be judged by a higher standard because we have assumed greater accountability and more condemnation if we teach incorrectly. Ooh, we. How many of you know I read that and kind of got uh, chicken skin a little bit? Uh, I was like... Okay, yeah, yeah, all right. Oh, more on that later. All right, verse 2. For we all stumble in, in, uh, and sin in many ways. If anyone stumble, uh, does not stumble in what he says, that is never saying the wrong thing, he is a perfect man, uh, fully developed in character, without serious flaws, able to bridle his whole body and rein in his entire nature, that is taming his human faults and weaknesses. <laughs> Verse 3, now, if we put bits in the horses' mouths to make them obey us, uh, we, we uh, guide their whole body as well. Uh, and look at the ships. Even though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the impulse of the helmsman determines. In the same sense, the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See by comparison how great a forest is set on fire by a small spark. And the tongue is, in a sense, a fire, a very world of injustice and unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members as that which contaminates the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life, the cycle of man's existence, and is itself set on fire by hell, Gehenna, for every species of beasts and birds and reptiles and sea creatures is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. We'll stop right there. That's enough for now. We can only eat so much at one sitting. <laughs> Woo! I tell you, James is hardcore, huh? Listen, if my tongue or my heart is under God's control, I'll take my words seriously. If my, if my tongue or my heart is under God's control, I'll take my words seriously. He says this, Not many of you should become teachers serving in an official teaching capacity, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who are teachers will be judged by a higher standard because we assumed greater accountability and more condemnation if we teach incorrectly. Here's what this means. We are accountable to God for our words especially if we teach the Word of God. Don't be ambitious to teach the Word of God. You know, well, I just want to teach the Word, man. I just want to stand up there, and I want to preach, and I want to teach, and I want to teach. I'm like, oh, man, slow your roll. Time out, man. Okay, you need to understand something. You, there's a, there is a responsibility that is great that comes with this. Uh, it, there's a, there's a, a, a stricter accountability a higher standard 
uh, a Greek scholar, Hebert, says the comparative adjective greater, stricter, implies degrees of treatment at the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is for believers. We will not face the white throne judgment where we'll be held accountable for every idle word because we are in Christ Jesus. Someone should say hallelujah to that. Okay, but we will all be judged for what we do with the time and the talent and the treasure and the gifts that God has given us now. Judged not in the sense of condemned, but rewards handed out. And James says, if you are a teacher of the word of God, you will be, you will be judged stricter. You will be judged on, a, on not another level, but there will be a degree of judgment. That, so let's say, okay, sir, madam, you stood and you preached the word of God. Now we're going to look at you a little bit closer. Woo! <laughs> yeah, so if that's your desire, amen, have God gifted you that way, amen, but don't take it lightly. Don't take it lightly. James is not minimizing the gift of teaching. We need the gift of teaching. We need solid biblical exposition. He's just saying, count the cost and be careful if that's what you do. Understand the responsibility. Feel the weight. Years ago, we went to an international conference. It was in Anaheim, our denomination, they have these every year where, where Don and I, are, we're, we're blessed to be able to go to represent you. We vote on things and we're, you know, as part of the Foursquare family and we get to connect with believers from all over the world. And uh, this year it was in Anaheim, this one particular year, and there was uh, someone who was speaking, a gifted speaker, and there was a, there was a gear that he shifted into and, and, and I just felt like what he was saying was harsh, like it was judgmental, like he was beat. There were thousands of people in the auditorium, and I just, my heart was vexed, like, bro, man, like, like, no, no, I understand your passion, but I felt like he crossed the line into judgment, you know what I'm saying? Like pointing the finger type, and I was like, ooh, man, oh. It was, it, and, and I know that there were people there, because churches, when they have the international conference, they invite uh, uh, their members, and I knew that there were just, you know, not all leaders, there were just people who were just part of churches who maybe said, hey, I'd like to go to that. Can I go? And I thought, man, if you're like a a young or a new believer, those words would be harsh words to you. They'd be judgmental. And it stirred my heart. I was like, oh, man. I just, anyway, anyway, like later on that night, you know, uh, after it was all over, and I'm back to the hotel room, and I'm still like, oh, man, I just, whoo. Next day I wake up and I'm like, golly, I'm just burdened by this, right? Now I got to do something. And I'm like just a dude, right? Nobody knows me. I'm just like a guy. So I'm looking for our, our, our district uh, supervisor and I'm looking for the, uh, uh, the general. I, I don't see what I see. And she's busy talking to someone and, and like they're locked in. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm not supposed to talk to anybody. And I see Glenn Burris, who's the president, the current president of our denomination. And I'm like... I don't know him. He doesn't know me. And I thought, well, I don't know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll say something to him. I don't know. And so I know, I know we're getting ready to start, and, and I'm thinking, like, the, I feel like the Holy Spirit's calling me to do this. And so I go, uh, okay, uh, President, Mr. Pastor, what I call you, President Burris, how you? And I'm like, hey, listen. He goes, hey, how are you? And 
And, and what's your name, Richard? Where are you from, man? And he's like all chatty and wanting to get to know me. And, oh, this is your wife and family. I'm like, yeah, man, nice to meet you, sir. And, uh, you know, talked a little bit more, a little pleasantries. You know, he goes, well, what's on your mind? I go, okay, look, I'm not trying to stir anything up. I'm not trying to, you know, be, be you know, whatever. But, man, what, I don't know the gentleman's name yesterday. But he spoke. And what he said, gosh, it was harsh. I just felt like, I mean, again, I'm not trying to call him out or nothing like that. He goes, hmm, no, 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 hold on one second. And he grabs one of his resident theologians, and he goes, come here, man. He goes, what do you think? You know what? This is Richard. Hey, how you doing, man? Where are you from? I'm like, oh, I'm like part of, I'm more like one of the dudes now, right? I'm in the inner circle. Well, you know, Glenn, it's like I always say. No, and uh, <laughs> and, and, I, and, and he goes, well, he's just, you know, remember we talked about so-and-so, and he goes, you know, Richard, we've already talked about this, but you know what? I don't know, because this is da 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 and, and it went, you know what? what, what you, you thought the same thing, right? He goes, he goes, harsh. It was heresy, and I went, oh, well, I wouldn't go that far, but I'm just, yeah, I'm not trying to, you know, and they're like, yeah, wow. Well, you know what? If Richard's thinking this, there must be other people too. Richard, what do you think we should do? I'm like, oh, uh, look, man, uh, I'm just, you know, I got my rubber slippers on. I'm just a dude from Vegas, man. I'm not. And, 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 and I said, well, you know, here's the thing, is that I think that if it's possible, I don't even know if he's still here or not, I think he'd address, he, he said it to, the, to, the, to thousands of people. He should address it to thousands of people. I mean, I think maybe, 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 you know, maybe you guys, you know, we'll stand behind him. Well, not me, but you guys. And, 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 and I just think, I just think, I just think he, he should say something. If, if he's in agreement, oh, yeah, he's in agreement. We've already talked to him, and a number of people have talked to him, but I think we need to do more. So here's what they did. During, the, during the, one of the set, they called him up, and they said, hey, we, we, so-and-so, I don't remember his name. He's got something he wants to say to you guys. And he said, you know what, man, I just, I just, you know, what I said yesterday, I, plead, I ask your forgiveness because, man, I just, I just crossed over a line. And I got emotional and I was judgmental and I was harsh. And I ask your forgiveness. And I'm like, whoa, wow. And, and, and it was received and there were people that, that, you know, surrounded him. But here's what it taught me. It taught me a powerful lesson. And that is that, that our words really matter. And every pastor and leader, and, and, and those who weren't pastors and leaders in that room, got a vivid illustration that, listen, you are held to a higher standard. And if you speak things that are not biblical, you're going to be called to the carpet, no matter who you are, even if you're a guest speaker at a national conference. And that was, that was a powerful teaching to me. And also, just the fact that Foursquare, as leaders, would be so humble to hear from a guy they don't even know. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to name drop, and you know, like, yeah, man, you know, well, and, uh, and it was just really, and it was, it was a very valuable lesson about being a teacher of the word and understanding the responsibility, right? James goes on and provides a way to measure spiritual maturity for teachers and for all Christians. He says, if we don't stumble in our words... Man, we'd be perfect. We'd be able to tame all of our faults and weaknesses. Like if we could get this under, here's what he says. If you could just control your tongue, you'd be perfect. What must I do to be perfect, Jesus? Control your tongue. Dang it. (laughs) 
Uh, anybody else up there? <laughs> you know, ah, that's what he says. You'd have fully developed character. You'd, you'd be without flaws. Uh, uh, you'd be taming all of your human. If you just controlled your tongue, you'd be controlling all of your members. Man, okay. So the first thing I want you to understand is that uh, uh, if my heart and my tongue is under God's control, I'll take my word seriously. Okay? Get that. Secondly, is that you control the tongue, you control the body. Control the tongue, control the body. He says in verse 3, Now, if we put bits in the horses' mouths and take, make them obey us, we guide their whole body as well. And look at the ships. Even though they're so large and driven by strong winds, they are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the impulse of the helmsman determines. In the same sense, the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts great things. So like a bit controls a, the, the, the direction of a horse. And, and we have, in our neighborhood, we have Clydesdales. They, they, there's like, I don't know, 10 of them. And they do these, these shows, you know, where the people, you know, you know, stand up on them. And they have two. Then they have four. Then they have kind of like Roman, uh, you know, stuff. And, and it's pretty cool, right? And, uh, and, you know, when they strap them up four, you know, uh, and six deep, and, and I'm on the fence watching and they come, the ground is shaking. I'm like, oh, okay, back up, everybody, back up. Because, man, that horse could take that fence out in a nanosecond. I don't want to be anywhere around. Man, but, but as powerful and as strong as they are, man, those little bitty, okay, the dude is pretty yoked, right? But still, man, that horse, man, will, like, t- will like lay you out fast. But, but with the bit, he's able to control it and send this large strong animal exactly where he wants. Such a, such a small thing or small person controlling something that is, that is so big. So like a bit controls the direction of a horse, my mouth controls the direction of my life. Like a bit controls the direction of a horse, my mouth controls the direction of my life. Now, of course, God is sovereign, but you understand what I'm saying. I think you get the context Look at the ships, even though they're so large and driven by strong winds, they're still directed by a, a very small rudder, wherever the impulse of the helmsman determines. Queen Elizabeth's ship, 83,763 gross tons, yet the rudder was only 140 tons. Two-tenths of one percent of the total, and yet it directed that ship where the captain wanted it to go. So the rudder of the human body is the tongue. In the same sense, he says in verse 5, the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See, by comparison, how great a forest is set on fire by a small spark. Yeah, we get the contrast here. If you live in Southern California, you really get it when you find out it was a cigarette butt or it was a something, a campfire that wasn't completely, that sets thousands of acres on fire. Yeah. Verse 6, so he's comparing and contrasting, and he says, and the tongue, in a sense, is a fire, a world of injustice and unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members as that which contaminates the entire body. You know, when you, back in the day, you go to the doctor, maybe when you're a kid, and he goes, stick out your tongue. 
you go, and he's like, oh, yeah. But, you know, they put that tongue depressor down, oh, you know, looking down your throat. Why is he doing that? Because your tongue tells a lot about your health, and so your mouth tells a lot about your spiritual health. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. That is irrelevant. How do you talk? Because eventually what's in your heart is going to come out here. If you don't know where somebody's at in their walk with the Lord, just give them time. They're going to tell you because <laughs> they can't help it. And I'm the same way. I ain't no different. Sets the fire, the course of our life, the cycle of man's existence, and is itself set on fire by hell. A fire, a world of injustice and unrighteousness that contaminates the whole body. And then he says it's, it's set on fire by Gehenna. Outside the valley of Jerusalem is the valley of Gehenna where all the garbage and all the trash would be, would be dumped and it would burn in. So there's this perpetual smell, uh, uh, kind of like a, um, you're not, not a junkyard, you know, like a, a trash dump, you know. Only fire and smoke and nasty. And that's, that's, that's uh, all the filth and garbage of the city ended up in Gehenna. And guess what? The third thing, all the evil of our sinful hearts seems to end up on our tongues. Now, here's my problem. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Bro, you've already addressed multiple issues already. No, here's my problem. I don't know about y'all. Here's my problem. For every species, verse 7, of beasts and birds and reptiles and sea creatures is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the human tongue. It is a restless, evil, undisciplined, unstable, full of deadly poison. That's my problem. But I already knew that. So he gives six contrasts. And he tells us the contrasts that we deal with. With it we bless our, our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men uh, who have been made in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth come both blessings and cursings. These things, my brother, should not be this way, for we have a moral obligation to speak in a manner that reflects our fear of God and profound respect uh, for His precepts. Does a spring send out from the same opening fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, produce olives? Can a grapevine produce figs? No, nor can salt water produce fresh water. And you know what I thought? My tongue is two-faced. You remember that old expression? Oh, he, he two-faced, man. He, yeah, he's two-faced. Should be a rapper called Two-Faced. I don't know, maybe there is. Is there? I don't know. Yeah, man, that new two-faced thing is popping, man. He's like this way, then he that way, you know. Yeah, he two-faced. Remember that? Oh, you two-faced. What? You don't get all mad. No, I ain't. Boom, you know. Two-faced. My tongue is two-faced. But you know what? That's not the issue, is it? My heart is two-faced because my loyalties are divided. And it comes out here. Oh. Are you glad you came this morning? All right. All right, tighten that seatbelt. We're almost done. You don't have to applaud. <laughs> I bless the Lord and I curse men. 
Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, he ain't nothing over there. He think he's that. I'm cursing somebody. <laughs> like, man, you, just, you just barely got out of the building, man. You mad at the dude on the road who almost cut you off, you know, cursing at him. I, I don't curse much at all anymore. Much at all. Much at all. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm mean, used to a whole lot, a whole lot. And I don't do, I just, it just changed. You know, I didn't even notice it. And it was so funny. We were playing ping pong one day with my sons. I just, I'm just not a man of profanity anymore, by God's grace. It's not like I figured it out. We're playing ping pong, boom, boom, boom. And, 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 and it was Richie or Blake hit like a sweet shot. Just a sweet shot. And I said, oh, man, good bleep, you know. And uh, he went, Dad. I went, oh, my gosh, where'd that come from? Like, I don't, I don't even use words. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Dad. Oh, Dad cursed. I did not. Oh, <laughs> just. Back, back in the day, it just came, it was like, t- I don't even know. You know, it was funny, though. But not, but funny. Two-faced. I, I, I speak blessings and I speak curses. Uh, fresh water, bitter. Figs, olives, can't do that. Grapevine, figs. You know, can you imagine a grapevine with figs on it? That's a strange grapevine. It's got figs on it. Don't touch it. It's a mutant. Something's wrong with it. Drink some water, you know. Oh, Go up to Mount Charleston to Deer Creek. The spring is still running. It's not bad. You can go up a little ways, get some fresh water. I couldn't imagine drinking it going, it's full of salt. Ah! Nuclear waste, I don't know. Run for your life. No, that's not going to happen. See? See what he's saying? So he's saying, you know, we got to be one or the other. We got to be one or the other. But we already know we're not perfect. So here, we're not striving for perfection. Let's get that straight. We're not, we are striving for perfection, but we're not perfect. Okay? But this is an issue. We've got to deal with this. We've got to deal with this issue because it's a hard issue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. All right? Number one. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Number two. James lays it out. No one can tame the human tongue. It is a restless, evil, undisciplined, unstable, full of deadly poison. That is the best definition I've heard, and it's true. Number three, it's a matter of the heart. Here it is. It's a matter of the heart. Number four, only the Holy Spirit can tame the tongue. Praise the Lord. There's a, there's a way out, and that is to be submitted to the Holy Spirit of God. God's Spirit, if I am surrendered to His Spirit, will change the way I speak and the way I react because He's changing my heart. Fourthly, uh, 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 fifthly, do this. It's in the notes if you have the Version app. Ask those around you. Do you speak life or do you speak death? No, no, don't judge yourself. Don't judge yourself. We're going to kick it up a notch. Ask those around you and give them the authority to tell you the truth. Because some people, we have so beat down with our words, they wouldn't tell us we actually speak that way if you gave them $100. Uh Uh-uh, it ain't going to be worth a hassle if I say, yeah, you got got one of the mouths that, you know, Give them the authority to tell you the truth with no repercussions. So in other words, ask the question 
Do I speak life or do I speak death and then shut up and just listen? Is it okay to say shut up? I mean, I don't mean, I just, maybe I should change that for next service. Be quiet. Be quiet. I'll do that. Just be quiet. Psalm 141, verse 3, David says this, and I love it. He says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. <laughs> oh, God, set a guard, a, a century, a, a, a soldier, a door. Set a guard over my, my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. David understood. He got it. The sweet psalmist of Israel said, God, I need your help. The, 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 um, read it in the Psalms. He, he had a lot of things to say about God, if you haven't. And, and even he, you would think if anybody didn't have a speech issue, it would be David. David had the sense to know, God, I need your help with this thing because I'm not doing a good job. Okay? So, woo! Are you ready to take the speech challenge this week? We're going to challenge ourselves and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit, speak loud. If, I, if I'm about to say something I know, you know what that, you know what that's like. Why does that feel so good? You know, Ed, did you hear about something? Oh, Holy Spirit, never mind, I ain't going to say nothing. Well, I really shouldn't tell you this, but I love it when someone tells me that. I'm like, if you really shouldn't tell me, I really shouldn't hear it. Eh, where do you go with that? I think we'll get better at this as we surrender more. If we fall in love more with Jesus, I think our speech will change. It doesn't mean we all speak the same language, but we speak the language of the Spirit. It doesn't mean that we all sound alike. You know, you know unity is not uniformity because it's diversity who comes together in unity, which is much more about the Spirit of the Lord than all dressing the same way, acting. Oh, brother, you can't talk like that. Wait a second, man. God's after way more than our speech because that's not the issue. He's after our heart. So I don't want you to think that just because you can control your tongue or, you, or you're doing well with that, that that's, you know, you're scoring points if your heart isn't right. Because we can even make a competition out of stuff like that. But let's get our hearts right, authentically, and then our speech will change. I have a, a quick story to tell you, and then we'll take a missions offering, and then we'll close with a video. And if you all need prayer and help, like King David did, we have some prayer people who will be down here afterwards who would love to pray with you. Okay, so... I read once a story about the Special Olympics and how they assigned certain volunteers um, to be official huggers. You're familiar with the Special Olympics, I, I, I presume. And anyway, uh, there's official huggers assigned to every lane, and it doesn't matter who's in that lane or what the race is or anything like that, but everyone has one, and, and, and their, their job is to, when the race is over, to wrap up that athlete, give them a big hug when they cross the finish line and say, I'm proud of you. You did a great job. Doesn't matter if they were first place or last place. Irrelevant. Proverbs 10.21 says this, The lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of sense. Wouldn't it be nice if we all had an official hugger in our lives? Uh, if we greeted each other 
with with a big hug and said, I love you and I appreciate you. Wouldn't our homes be better uh, if we did that? Um, and even if you're not like a natural, touchy-feely kind of dude <laughs> or gal, you might be like, oh, get away from me. I'm German. <laughs> you know, I can say that I'm German. Don't, no hate mail, please. We don't tend to be very affectionate. We're like, that's why I appreciate being a black German because I could be like this. I could be like, what's up? You know, either way. Either way, whatever the occasion demands. Wouldn't it be great if we, if we would be huggers, maybe not physically, but with our words? What if we were, what if we tried encouragement? What if we tried to, not, I mean, honestly, authentically, what if he said, Lord, I want to challenge myself to give one compliment a day to someone, somehow? I don't know. I don't know. It might just change us. And it might just change those around us. Now is an opportunity for you to hug some missionaries. If our ushers would come forward, we're going to take our missions offering. I spent three hours with Joshua Statham. I think it was Thursday night. He was in town teaching at YWAM Las Vegas over on Washington, near D Street. And uh, we just got to talk. Man, we talked. We went, we went and had some barbecue, and, and then I dropped him back off at, 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 at the base, and we talked more. And, and it was so good, and it was so cool. And, and, the, and you know what he said this, and I want, I want you to feel this. He's talking about what's happening and all this stuff. And, and, and he says, he goes, well, you guys know that you are our sending church. You guys are the one who, who support us the most and send us out. And I was like, it just, I don't know, it just, it just did something to me. It made me feel like, okay, cool. I mean, that's the way he looks at us. You know, we have... CC in, in China, and we have, we have uh, uh, Karen in, in, in uh, 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 Kenya, Uganda. Uh, we, we have other missionaries. We support, we support Foursquare Missions International, okay? But I don't know, when he said that, I just felt this sense of family. I, sent this, I felt this sense of responsibility. And so one of the things we're going to do, we're going to kick up our missions emphasis even more. But it was like, it was almost like he said this. And it, it wasn't, it had nothing to do, it was more relational. And, and, he, and he said, man, Richie, our family, we count on you guys. And he wasn't saying that, like, you know, we really count on your financial blessing. That's not what he was saying. But I just kind of thought, you know, because there are people who, who go and there are people who send. And the Lord uses both. And I just want you to know that what we give Whatever you give goes directly to them. That's where it goes. And so, would you give this morning and would you give out of a a sense of compassion for family? Not just someone who's out there, someone, you know, who's chose to leave everything and serve God in wherever he's called them to serve, but a sense of family. And and, and that's how we want our, our folks to feel about us.
Uh, we, we want that connection. And so uh, give with that. Go ahead and, and pass, pass the bags if you guys would. And, and I want to close with this video. Uh, it's, 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 it's one of my favorite songs, and, and, and it's, uh, it's a powerful video about um, speaking life.